Show, Sportsnet 5.9 of the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Blue Jays playing a game that we've seen a, a whole bunch. I mean, it was the first time in the postseason, but we saw that a lot. Familiar during the 162-game uh, regular season, of which the Blue Jays won 89 of them. Uh, they lose yesterday 3-1 to the Minnesota Twins, despite the fact that, they, you know, okay, you know what was different about yesterday's game was that Kevin Gosman wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. And generally, he's been pretty darn good, but he was not bad enough that he took you out of the baseball game, departed, and it was still a three-run deficit, but that's a deficit the Blue Jays have not made up since July. So, yeah. so that's a rough one. It's just, it, it, you know, you you play the whole regular season to prepare yourself for these moments, and I've I've never felt more ready to come on and discuss a baseball game because we've had that exact conversation 130 oh, times this we, year. Have we ever? Uh, probably need to hit a home run in today's baseball game to win it. Problem is, Sonny Gray, he don't give it up. No, nope. too uh, much of all qualified pitchers just all just all the pitchers in baseball who mm-hmm. qualify by pitching enough innings no one has given up fewer than him yeah he's given up eight this season <laughs> he has faced the blue jays once this year that was uh back at roger center june 9th he gave up a run on five hits a couple of walks five strikeouts and uh you will not be surprised to know no home runs uh as the twins won that baseball game three to two jose barrios getting the start against his former team, also has made a start against the Twins this season in just one. He didn't give up a single run over five and two-thirds at Target Field back in May. Five walks, though, and five strikeouts. All right, let's talk to our insider, who is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. It is Jeff Blair of Blair & Barker. Happy Wednesday, Blair. Um, so yeah, it's, it's hard not to come away from that game yesterday, Jeff, with, um, Hey, that that's, that's this blue Jays team playing according to Hoyle this year. Yeah. I mean, it, it, October 3rd, May 3rd, June 3rd, yeah. <laughs> August 3rd, <laughs> pick a day, right? I mean that, that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's your, your 20, 23 blue Jays, um, down early, uh, unable to get anything going and, you know, you need this notion that somehow when the playoffs roll around, you cobble together innings and, and move guys over. That's nonsense. You win playoff games by hitting home runs because you're facing elite pitching that isn't going to give you a chance to string together, you know, four or five hits. Uh, and when that happens, it usually means the pitcher's taken out of the game and somebody else is coming in. So, uh, until somebody in this team runs into one, you know, it's going to be the same old song for, for this team. Yeah, they uh, they ran into one last night, but not a homer, uh, an out at the plate. You know, I, I see the play from Bichette last night, and to me that's just caused by the inability this team has to score runs. It's a player in Bo who, let's be honest, he's an aggressive player, and I don't begrudge him for that most of the time, but you see last night, and it's just, if this was a team that was able to scratch across the runs or scr- string together hits, I don't think you see Bichette taking that aggressive turn, but when you get to that point on the base path with this team and you're at two outs, it does feel like you have to push all your chips in because to to what you just said, it's so hard to envision this team stringing together hits because it just doesn't happen. Do, do you have a problem with Bichette kind of pushing there? I know it's easy to play the results because he, he got thrown out at home, but if I understand him pushing there, I totally do. Yeah, you don't make the final out of the inning at third or home. I mean, you just don't. I don't care what the situation is uh, on the scoreboard. 
Uh, I mean, obviously, if you're down seven nothing or whatever you want to do, feel free. But no, I mean, I thought it was I thought it was an egregious mistake when I first when I first saw the play. I thought, okay, Bo's being aggressive and he knows that he knows he's on deck basically. So um, I, I thought, okay, that's fine. But then when you look at the play, you know, and you give yourself a second. It's it's Carlos Correa who's got a pretty strong infield arm. Um, the play is in front of Bo. Uh, the third base coach has the has has the stop sign up. I'm, I mean, you you can't do that in a playoff game. You just can't. Um, and and it's it's odd, right? Because this team spent so much time in spring training talking about how they were going to focus on the details. How's that working out? Well, it's working defensively. It's sure. the best defensive Blue Jays team we've seen in a, in a long time. Offensively, not so much. <laughs> And I think if you had told people at the start of the year that, you know, this this is going to be a details-focused team, my response would have been, okay, yeah, you're talking offensively because defensively it, it, it's not it's not going to be the case. And, and and that is the thing that, to me, is the most frustrating about um, uh, about a result like, like last night's. First of all, it's a repeat of everything we've seen this year. As you guys alluded to, this team's not going to come back from a three-run deficit ever. Nope. And... Um, you know, you're still you're you're pissing away despite yesterday's performance by Kevin Gossman. I mean, you're pissing away a lot of good pitching, mm-hmm. and you're pissing away away really really good defense. And I was kind of disappointed in Kevin Gossman yesterday. Maybe for the first time since he's been with the Blue Jays, I get that the Twins hit him hard, but watching that game yesterday, I don't think it was a matter of the the Twins having something on him no. or him tip, tipping his pitches. You know. When you if if a team is tipping pitches, if a pitcher is tipping pitches, you're going to see a lot of unusual swings. Buck did a great job breaking us down. That's what tells you that a team is is tipping pitches. You didn't see that from Minnesota. You simply got you simply saw a team that realized early that this guy's fastball was running. Don't hit the splitter. The Twins have among the worst offensive stats in baseball against the splitter. So, guess what? Their hitters are going up thinking, I'm not swinging at it anyhow because we can't do jack with it. First of all, it's a good pitch. Secondly, when we do make contact, we can't do anything with it. So we're just going to wait for we're just going to wait for fastball. And I thought Kevin Gossman had way, way too many non-competitive fastballs last night, and that was um, that was a bit of a disappointment. I I I don't think he showed up last night. 27 pitches in the first inning from a guy who is going to get some consideration as a as a Cy Young award winner uh i needed more than that from kevin gossman no uh umpiring had nothing to do with it it, it if anything like he benefited on the strike three call to edward julian he just he wasn't in the zone nearly enough um that was an outlier though like i said this regular season he's been good it's not ideal to have that happen in uh the one maybe postseason start he's going to have what what was common uh, for this Blue Jays team to to have happen to them or to, to to fail to do was not to hit a home run in a baseball game. They were 16th in, in Major League Baseball with 188. Well, the Minnesota Twins were third in all of Major League Baseball with 233 and first in the American League, or tied for first at least, with the Texas Rangers, who also find themselves up one nothing in uh, their postseason series. I mean, it's easy to play the results here, Jeff, and, and look at the Blue Jays leaning too too much towards improving the outfield defense and forgetting about hitting home runs, but you did see some, I guess, outlier um, lack of, of of slug from from some of these these Blue Jays players. Like, where do you 
And, and the season's not over, right? Like, and I, I want to be careful not to do the postmortem on on how this Blue Jays team was constructed. But yeah, th- this has been a running theme all season long: the lack of slug, the lack of home runs. What, what do you make of that all season long? Was it a miscalculation or just like a weird outlier result that they got? No, I I mean, I've said all along, I think Ross Atkins, something happened in the offseason. I don't know what it is, but I, I, I just fail to believe that reasonably intelligent people uh, could have gone into the regular season thinking it was a dandy idea to have Dalton Varsho or Brandon Belt as your cleanup hitter. I, I just can't. To me, that screams that there was a free agent signing that wasn't made or a deal that wasn't made. Now, we know that, that uh, uh, Masataka Yoshida... Uh, I always I always get a brain fart with his name, but we know the dude <clears throat> the dude with the Boston Red Sox has told people that Toronto was a second option. Maybe that was the missing bat from this lineup. But he doesn't Maybe slug that either. He doesn't slug either. Exactly. But my point is, you know, when you when you sign when you sign one guy, then whatever trades you may not be focusing on Dalton Varsho at that point, right? You might be focusing on getting in a middle of the order run producer. So it 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 seems to me that something happened in the off season that caused dominoes to fall and caused the Blue Jays to settle for a plan B. I still don't mind Dalton Varsho. I think Dalton Varsho is going to be a very good player for this team. I think he's going to be a better player than Lourdes Gurriel Jr. ever was or ever will be. But He's not going to be an impactful middle-of-the-order bat. He's going to be your starting center fielder next year, probably. And, and hopefully they have a lineup together that allows them to hit eighth or ninth. Uh, because that's, I mean, that's what Dalton Varsho is. Yeah, just from a narrative perspective, rough night on that trade particular. I mean, obviously we talk about Varsho there and everything, and then Moreno having the homer that he has and looking the way he looked. And, hey, it's one game. We'll, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, just not uh, not uh, not anything that's helping them sell that narrative. You know, one thing that we talked about a lot during last year's series, and we talked about a lot during the regular season, was John Schneider as a, as a manager. Now, sometimes this was nebulous thing, uh, stuff about his control of the clubhouse or him challenging players. But in terms of how he actually manages the game, uh, he had a lot of relievers hot last night. He was not unshy about taking Gosman out early. How do you feel Schneider did his kind of second time around as a postseason manager? I mean, I think he did. I think he did okay. You know, you look at the lineup and the right guys came up at the right time for the most part. Um, he just didn't do anything. And I don't think that is on John Schneider. I thought the bullpen use was fine. I was a little surprised that... Um, so many relievers were up. Uh, you know, I, it, it's odd, right? Because last year when that series ended, the, one of the first things John Schneider said is, in hindsight, I probably should have left Kevin Gossman out there longer in game two. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you get to the first game of this series and he's got to have he's got to have the early hook with Gossman. Listen, I, I, I don't know about the whole challenging players narrative. I just don't. Um you know, it'd be knowing a little bit about Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts, the Dodgers manager, isn't a dude who challenges players. Like Brian Snitker is not a guy who challenges players. Um, I think I really do think we overestimate the whole clubhouse thing and the whole challenging players uh, thing. I just, I just don't think that works over 162 games. Uh, and I mean, I've covered managers who tried that. And they usually didn't last a full season. Mm-hmm. I, I think the really good managers trust their players. They know what they have. 
And the biggest thing is you don't ask players to do something that they can't do. And and that's, you know, the real issue I had with this with this lineup early in the year is you were asking Dalton Varsho to be the cleanup hitter. Yeah. He's not a cleanup hitter. I mean, he's just not. You're you're taking a a square peg and and trying to pound it into into a round hole. And I guess what kind of frustrated me about that is I mean, this isn't this isn't like the Jays this isn't this isn't uh, you know the Jays of the JP Ricciardi era where for a while they were trying to make do in a shoestring budget. Mm-hmm. I mean they got the seventh or eighth biggest payroll in baseball. They're running like two hundred and fifty million dollars worth of player out there, and they don't have a cleanup hitter. I explain I, explain to me how that makes sense. Can't can't you do can't? It. I mean you you you, you just can't. So um, you know I I always tell people about. John Schneider's not the best manager I've ever covered. He's not the worst manager I've ever covered. He's someplace in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that he, I don't think he's cost this team as many games as other people do, simply because a lot of time the discourse seems to be around not benching guys and not challenging guys and all that, mm-hmm. which I just I, I I think is silly. No, I think honestly, to be a major league manager in 2023, you're kind of coming out of a cookie cutter, right? Like I, th- I feel like- you've got to be a communicator. You have to sell stuff. Basically, these dudes are salesmen. You got to sell stuff. Yep. Yeah, and he is a good communicator and and puts on a happy face even after a disappointing loss like uh, yesterday. He's also made a, a tough decision, seemingly. I, I think it's been made, seeing as how we saw Jordan Hicks in a, a game the Blue Jays were trailing yesterday. Jordan Romano still the closer. D- does that surprise you at all? Uh, not really, um, because I think the whole move, first of all, I'm not convinced he is the closer. Mm-hmm. I think you'll, you'll let's, I mean, be hard after all the pitches Jordan Hicks threw, I think to run him out in the ninth inning, but it's going to depend on the matchup. And I know people are tired of hearing that, but I, I am reasonably certain the reason that move was made in Tampa had to do with the fact that, that the last time Jordan Romano faced those hitters, he was lit up. He was not very good, and that seemed to set him in a bit of a spiral. So I, I think that was really Tampa-specific. I didn't necessarily have a problem with it. I mean, you guys saw Jordan Hicks last night. You want to see that in the ninth inning? Uh, nope. You know, I, I don't know. We're starting to got see. Got out of it, though. He got out of it. What an inc- incredible clutch performance to get out well, of a bases-loaded jam. It was clutch. It was like create your own issue and get out of it, which is you know is, is always good. The better thing to, is to do, though, is not create the issue. But – we're seeing, I mean, that's, that was Jordan Hicks with the St. Louis Cardinals, right? We're seeing why the Cardinals gave up on the guy, uh, gave up on 100, 102 and 103 miles per hour because he just loses it. And it takes him a long, long time to regain the strike zone. And the way the game is now, when you lose it, you don't have two or three batters to try to find your footing, especially late in the game when guys are, are, are really geared up for the heater and they're looking to do maximum damage and the pressure's on and all that, uh, guys are going to jump all over you if they sense any weakness. Yeah, they certainly are. And, you know, when we think of Hicks, obviously what he can do, the 102, we saw it on the other side of things from from Duran yesterday with his 101. But that at bat he had to Kiermaier where he just throws him three straight curveballs and he's clipping them all over the place. I mean, we get so caught up and rightfully so i have been screaming for years to get a triple digit guy here in velocity but man when you are able to meld it or weld it together with the control and the off-speed stuff like you saw from duran yesterday and i know he i know a guy got on base but it just felt like he was going to be untouchable if he if his secondary stuff is going to look like that yeah i mean ideally what you what you'd like to see jordan hicks do is just throw a fastball slider i i mean i have no idea 
why he rolls a sweeper out. I I just I have no clue. Um, I think he you know he gets he, he'll get an out every week with it and you know think it's an important part of his arsenal. You don't need it. Just throw your fastball, throw your slider. Uh, but you know, uh, Joanne Duran is one reason that I. I, I just I wasn't all in on this whole. Thank God they uh, avoided the Tampa Bay Rays. They get they get the Minnesota Twins. The Twins bullpen is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we know that they hit home runs. I mean you could see that with Royce Lewis. I still think this team would have had a better chance in Tampa against the Rays than they do against Minnesota. Now, I picked them to win this series because I think they would have. I, I think they would have beaten Tampa, and I I think they should beat Minnesota. But th- this whole idea that somehow. You know, a Tropicana Field is this house of horrors. It isn't. Nope. They're a game under 500 there for the last the last three years. It's like people have memories of 2020. Not much has happened there since 2020, 2021. The last two years, the Jays have been fine at Tropicana Field. They're a game under 500. They scored 20 runs in a game at Tropicana Field this year. And yet we have this idea that somehow the Rays are this, you know, the, this bogeyman that the Jays just can't get over. Well, you know, I... One of the reasons I thought that was because I thought the Minnesota Twins would feast on Kevin Gossman. And, I mean, I was right. Sometimes sometimes you have to think these things a little deeper, I think, than simply you know, fall for the narrative that we can't beat this team and, and you know, the, their stadium is a house of horrors. And mm. um, I think we just get carried away with that. I predicted that the Rays would commit four errors in their first playoff game, so I was, yeah. I was right on that one. Yeah, it was all. Now, all if you over saw them thing. here at the Rogers Center, you yeah. can't be surprised. No, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> there. And and the, the scary thing is, you know, Jose Siri is back in the lineup. It, it, yes. When I <clears throat> when I saw that play, I thought, Jesus, Manuel Margo's lost a lot of weight. And I, then I looked again, <laughs> and I thought, Wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute, that's Jose Siri making that play. You know what the hell happened there? I don't know. That was horrific. Um, but yeah, the the Rays looking to get off the mat today down one nothing as are the blue jays but uh, after today could only have one remaining team in the american league east in the postseason we'll see uh jose barrios trying to stave off elimination against sunny gray jeff appreciate the time thanks thanks boys enjoyed it all right there's jeff blair of blair and barker and that insider brought to you by don valley north lexus where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom visit don valley north Calm. Yeah, the John Schneider point is is well taken, and we talked about it in our lead-up to this series that every move that he's made has been so scrutinized because the Blue Jays play all these these tight games, and, mm-hmm. and sure, it's on the players ultimately the most, right? And and the manager is well down the pecking order of, of things you can blame losses on. Yep. I, I still am of the belief that his in-game management hasn't been my favorite but i'm also of the belief that there's so like you you take all the managers in major league baseball right now the way they're asked to just execute the game plan that's Mm -hmm. handed down from the front office and the way nobody's allowed to keep their players accountable at least publicly who knows what happens behind closed doors but nobody's like tearing a strip off their player he's the only one right but generally that 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 does not take place like I, i think they're all pretty interchangeable to be honest with you no offense any major league managers that are listening right now i think the uh, i think the over under on that uh, 0.5 bang the under that's how many managers i think are listening right now honestly it's a little bit this is a weird comparison but follow follow me along uh-huh being a major league manager yes today uh-huh. is a little bit like being kyle shanahan's quarterback 
You got here because you have talent, okay? John Schneider is a great baseball man, okay? He won the title at double A, and he's come up through the ranks, and we all remember him pitching to Vlad. Feels like Brock Purdy slander. Like, okay, go ahead. Okay, but guess what? Now just do the thing I'm telling you to do. Don't think. Don't improvise. Don't have a cute little idea. Just do exactly what me, the genius, told you to do. And this kind of goes back to the photo of it all. Look, I know everything. Mm. I fixed baseball. Just do what I tell you to do. So there's definitely some element of that in there. I don't think a manager is not a manager is not winning anybody any games. Managers can cost you games at this time of year. They're not winning it for you, though, based on the moves they make. It can only go the other way. Like, I don't see a world where the moves John Schneider makes are the reason this team gets over the hump. It can cost them, but I don't think it will be the reason. Because guess what? If he pulls the right string, that guy still has to go out there and perform. Devil's advocate argument. Please. John Schneider. Either... One, I mean, this is insane. Okay. And this is this is Start never going to be the case. Start there. Starts Kevin Gossman in game 162 either way to try and secure a, a higher playoff mm. position than the final wild card spot, which wouldn't have worked out either way. But, <laughs> or understands that while Kevin Gossman is a great pitcher and has been the bona fide ace of this Blue Jay staff all season long, that his numbers against the Twins cannot be ignored Starts Jose Barrios in yesterday's game. And then Kevin Gossman, like maybe today or maybe depending on the result, and then Jose Barrios shoves. And then the Blue Jays win that game one nothing instead of losing it 3-1. to one. Then I, I would say that's a very bold move by Mr. John Schneider, but one that could have won them the baseball game. It could have, but let's just <laughs> workshop that through. So let's say it's Barrios and it's exactly the dream scenario. He got... It's a complete... He throws a perfect game. Yeah. No other relievers had to come in. Yeah. Uh, are we so down on Kevin Gosman in the pecking order that he's just not pitching in this series? No, I, so, I think you 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 play with the equity of winning Game One of the series that he's he's starting today. You feel a lot better about it, or you or you I, can sell I yourself on him you, trying to save the season. No, I'm not saying no, I would have okay, made the move. I'm just just clarify. I'm just saying that there was. You can't say that there's not a move that that John Schneider couldn't have made yesterday right, that won the Blue Jays the game because theoretically, I mean, he couldn't have. Forced them to bring in the right field wall at Target Field to to allow mm-hmm. uh, Matt Chapman's or or shot to be or a double. Just push them back and no home runs. Oh yeah, yeah. and that's playing, at pol- Listen, playing at the polo grounds now. Let's be reasonable, okay? okay? All right, all right. We can't put that on on John Schneider's table, okay? That's that's, that's not unfair. his purview. Right, that's unfair. But taking the, I mean, it is a crazy wild swing and not something I would have done and what a message it would have sent to your ace who's Mm -hmm. under contract for many more years not as many as Jose Barrios by the way but um, that hey I I know you've been so great and the American League leader in strikeouts and it's not like every start against the Twins is horrible but more often than not they're not great and whether they have something on you or it's in your head or whatever reason you don't pitch well against this team we're going to start you in the series. And you you know how you could have sold it even? You could have been like, we messed up. I know we didn't start him in game 162, but he got his process. Like, he's a creature of habit. And he was getting ready for that start. Oh, and we thought okay. it was... You know, it was it was not fair to him mm. to put him into game. You could have you could have messaged it. Again, wouldn't have done it. You could not. Couldn't I wouldn't <laughs> have done it. But you could have. And depending on the result today, and that's what I'll do. I'll play the results. Yes. If Jose Barrios... Uh, the perfect is, game that I'm gifting him, yeah. Yeah, is is great. 
and and maybe the bullpen blows it or something, and the Blue Jays are out, and we can yeah, there'll be lots of slings and arrows to, to fire towards the Blue mm-hmm. Jays tomorrow. Yeah, I can point to that as being a key point in the decision making process that John Schneider messed up. It is a really and you we've come across this in other sports as well. It's an interesting scenario where the most obvious correct thing has a lot of questions surrounding it, and that was giving the ball to Kevin Gosman yesterday. Yeah. I think that's the best way to put it. Is that there's not you weren't you weren't going to not give Kevin Gosman the ball. But there was a lot of reasons to point why it could have gone how it went yesterday. Well, and to get back to Jerry DePoto, I mean, part of the reason why it's a decision that's not being made is because it's it's ballsy. Like it's it's yes, it's holy cow! If this doesn't work out, you got egg on your face, and that might be mm-hmm. a fireable offense. And everybody's just trying to save their job yeah. here. They're they're trying to take the most conservative, smart approach to decision making, whether that's the front office or whether Ex- that's the manager. Exactly. Bingo. All right, when we come back. Uh, we are now the sport of risk takers. We go to, <laughs> Oh wait, no, <laughs> certainly not. Um, the Maple Leafs are now one week away from their season opener. <sighs> it's Montreal Canadians. Oh baby. We'll talk to Frank Saravelli, president of hockey content for dailyfaceoff.com as the fan morning show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, the fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590. The fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. More Blue Jays baseball coming your way, maybe for the final time today. We'll see. It's up to Jose Barrios and, you know, the Blue Jays bats to come through. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like there's at least nine other guys who could Hey, could they scored in. a run yesterday. They did their part, okay? No, that's not Kevin Gosman could have easily no. thrown a complete game shutout. Blue Jays win that game, okay? I don't know, easily. I mean, like it's it just act- easy. I feel like it actually would have been very... Based on what we saw, it would have been very hard for him yesterday. You just, you just walk Royce Lewis every time he comes to the play, which yeah. it'll be interesting to see how they approach him to, tonight after the, yeah, the, is, the two-homer game yesterday. Is he big elbow pad Barry Bonds? Who can say? Um, Probably not, though. So so the Blue Jays down one nothing in their series after a 3-1 loss in Minnesota. The Phillies up 4-1 on the Marlins. Diamondbacks beat the Brewers 6-3. And Rangers up uh, for nothing on the Rays. Week from today, Maple Leafs open up their regular season against the Montreal Canadiens. Let's talk to Frank Cervelli, president of hockey content for dailyfaceoff.com. How's it going, Frank? Pretty good. Um, what happened to the Jays? They stink now. I mean, why, is... isn't, why isn't Seabass going for game two? Well, I mean, there's an argument to be made there as well. Um, he was great down the stretch. Jose Barrios was 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 better in an overall sense this season against his old team. Maybe there's some narratives there. And, like, it's, uh, you know. Um, Do you remember, I, what, you remember when all the Jays fans <laughs> were saying, hey, let's finish in the last wild card spot so we can get the Twins? They weren't. Okay, maybe they were, but not on this show, Okay. A couple of weeks ago, this person that and you're speaking this to, slightly less smart person, <laughs> both of us, we're talking about the Rays being maybe the more favorable matchup, and and careful what you wish for. I mean, part of the reasoning I was starting to get a little more bullish on this mat- matchup is because I, I I thought maybe Royce Lewis either would be compromised health wise or not on the roster altogether because that's what he told everybody two days ago, 
And it turns out that he's like perfectly fine and in fact mashing. Um, your team mashes too, man. That that Phillies team that I know you no have... home runs last night. I know they didn't. I was at it. the game. It was electric, dude. I I, I was actually watching that uh, before my son went to bed. He watched the Blue Jays game with me, and then we were watching more playoff baseball. And he's like, "That looks like a fun ballpark." It's like mm-hmm. I, I I it does. I I would love to go. He's like, "Can we go?" And I said, "Yeah, one day." Uh, empty <laughs> promise, perhaps, but. Uh, <laughs> That Phillies team. I got you. Uh, that Phillies team. Okay, they snuck into the playoffs last year and then went on the incredible run. And it was also part of the reasoning why you could have squinted and saw this Blue Jays team going on a run this year as as also a wild card team. And I guess it's, all things are possible. Just win today and and uh, a lot of yesterday is a race. But just like beyond even the success that they've had during last year's postseason run and then 90 wins this year, finishing up the track from I think the best team in baseball, the Atlanta Braves. That team is so fun. And I know Trey Turner got off to a, a rough start this year. It was great how they, they just kept cheering him on and kind of resurrected the second half. So on Philly, like. I know. That's weird, too. Like, I don't know what's going on there. That They really do. He actually about- came out and thanked the radio producer That's yesterday what? for turning around his season. Uh, <laughs> I need to get to that spot where I can I can get, I can can get be thanked by well, a, a pro let's athlete. Let's see what you got in your tool bag there, Jeff, as a party. <laughs> but that Philly team is so fun. There are so many great, great Characters, Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper. I mean, Zach Wheeler was out freaking standing. Like, I got to hand it to you, Frank, and, and it was great to hear that you were at the, the game yesterday. It's just a fun team. It's an extremely likable team and fun to watch. They really are. And even last night, like, they're just right off the hop. First pitch swinging, just mashing. Yeah, honestly. It, they had, uh, Lazardo was up to, like, 60-some pitches in the third inning. There's no chance. They had no chance. We we were both saying from the outside looking in, like it just looks like an incredibly fun time down there and the team's so likable, Harper, everything. I mean, yeah, we could talk in, in circles about it, but I have you on here and I am dying to talk hockey. So we have to talk some hockey, Frank. We're a week wah, away. Wah. Uh, no, 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 <laughs> no. Absolutely not. Do not forget where we are. Womp, womp. Get out of here. No, I'm with you. No, womp. Womp, womp to the womp. Boo to both of you. I'm just I'm so tired of talking preview. Can we actually start talking stuff that matters? Dude, I, I'm, it's I'm been, down. It's been six weeks of the same uh, thing. I, I couldn't agree more, Frank. That being said, we're going to have to ask you God, hockey questions. What but, yeah, is wrong with the both like, of you? Give me, give me all the Leaf content we can handle when they're playing games. of Like, you want to really talk about Martin Jones? Go ahead, Frank. Have your say on Martin Jones. Should the Maple Leafs be doing all they can to keep Martin Jones away from waivers? Is that a real question? Yes, yes it is. <laughs> the answer is no. Okay. Look, he, he's a fine insurance piece. My guess is if he's on waivers, someone's going to claim him. I think with how close they are to the cap, they don't have the luxury like some other teams might of being able to carry three goalies at once. Yeah, that's the... Unless I'm missing something. No, no, there's been some belief that maybe the Timmons and Klingberg injuries, depending on how long they bleed, could potentially allow them to carry this into the season, and then maybe that allows them to skirt the waiver process, but... But at some point, you're going to have to make that call. That's just... The only thing is, if you do linger, if it lingers on, the hope is that maybe by then, someone doesn't need another goalie. 
Yeah, I think that's it. Or maybe you, I, I wonder if maybe the other side of it is that, and I realize it'd be for a super, super small piece flipping back the other way, but if it is a team that is, you know, doesn't have the luck they want on the waiver side of things and the Leafs are able to sneak them through, maybe you, and again, I realize how small the piece would be, but maybe it becomes a very minuscule asset. Just in terms of teams talking at this time of year, you know, I know that there are every team in the league, well, it doesn't matter what where, where we are on the calendar, this is always the case. Teams are tight up against it but there's also got to be teams in camp that maybe have a slightly different feel of feel around their team than they did heading into it do you think it's possible for teams to make deals right now in terms of trades is there any conversation like that league-wide do you think people are just so focused on dealing with their own roster and just kind of getting through camp at this time of year i think there's a couple teams like smaller than a handful that are actually talking and are interested in making moves and it's mostly salary cap driven one would be the vancouver canucks they're trying to move a contract or two still um even after the casey to smith trade um i think you've got the ottawa senators trying to dump a contract so they can sign shane pinto and get that situation finally wrapped up as that has lingered on and then you've got a few teams that are out there looking for goalies uh tampa is one and that was the first team i thought of with martin jones and i'm like the leafs aren't going to do the lightning any favors or at least they shouldn't and the other is the colorado avalanche they you know they're in a spot where with pavel francois they need you know a, a number two guy even if georgiev is going to play 60 plus games like he did last year you still need someone that you can rely on and i don't know if eustace Annanen is up to that task just yet so there is some conversation but for the most part the other part of it right now, and this is the next five days are going to be a critical waiver period. There's a number of younger players, and we just saw this with Lassie Thompson going from Ottawa to Anaheim. There's a number of younger players that teams have their eye on as first-round picks or or early-round picks from the 2019 draft class, some of those guys that have lost their waiver exemption status that teams are saying, okay, these are bubble guys. We'll be ready to pounce if such and such name makes it to the list. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Um, the, the preseason is, is about the younger players. That's the most exciting part of it I, for me is, is seeing the guys that actually care about performing in these games, even a guy who has high pedigree. Even a guy who to knocks off Mark Stone with a clean hit? Yeah, that was intense. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the danger of, of those guys trying to make impacts in camp is that, yeah, that that can happen. I don't begrudge What's wrong I with can, that? I don't. I was just like, about you got to a, say. You got a guy trying to play for dude, a paycheck. Mm-hmm, go ahead. Makes a clean hit. And then Mark Stone is out there running him down and then afterwards making fun of him. Yeah. Um, I, Since I, I, when did Mark Stone, sixth round pick with whom nothing mm. was guaranteed, who turned himself into a superstar player by sheer hard work, when does he get to do that? No, that's punching Gets a down. cup ring and he's a new guy. You know, yeah. we thought he was a great salt of the earth I, I and mean, all of a sudden he's a winner and look I, at him now. I've also never had Must like... Must be all that humility in Vegas rubbing <laughs> off on him. I also don't have a spine that's made out of papier-mâché, right? Like he's obviously like... What was that? Yeah, I like. I'm. I'm sure he's worried about about <laughs> about about uh, you know potential for longer term injury and and the stuff that he's done. You know. Okay. Well, then don't play in the preseason. Then I, this isn't this isn't pods. Point. You got some guys out there playing Agreed. for keeps. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. Maybe they should just have all the veterans play in a non-contact game. Like if you are have already <laughs> made your spot, then yeah, you you play in a in a non-contact game where there's no hitting because if we're just playing hockey, yeah, you, you're gonna get hit in a hockey game. Oh wait, so here's a rule change that I would actually be in favor of. What is just remove the veteran requirement for teams for preseason games. Yeah, and don't give me the old well, the fans are paying, so they care. You're only paying for this game to watch these games if they're part of your season ticket package and you're being held at gunpoint to pay. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's the case here in Toronto. For for like, the, There's a, a section of Leaf fans who uh, cannot afford to get into a regular season game. And while it's right, not- but those tickets are discounted. Yeah. Are they not? Yeah, they yeah. are in other markets. Yeah, you, the preseason games, yeah. And yes. especially on the secondary market, they're not nearly as, as expensive as regular season games. And that's what it should be for. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, whether it's so, – so you're saying that you, you think that they need to uphold the – well, the veteran minimum to, I think, to make it. I think it can be tweaked. I think there can be a lesser number of vets, but I do think if you're going to, and again, I'll just use the example of somebody in Toronto who that's like the one time a year they get to go to a Leaf game. I'm not saying that it has to be the entire first line or you need Matthews and Tavares and mm-hmm. Marner, but I don't know. You need, and it's not even about the NHL minimum. It's you need one of those guys. Like that's kind of what you need is just somebody of note in the game. So I think but we those can are def- the exact guys that you don't want to get hurt. Yeah, but the, the fans do matter. And I understand they're not the ones shelling out all mm-hmm. the season ticket money, but it's like if you want investment, you want buy-in and building younger fans. Guess where a lot of the, like when I take my kid to his first Leaf game, almost certainly going to be a preseason one. And I think that's where you kind of create the buy-in. So I'm not, I'm with you that you can look at those requirements and definitely have them dropped off a little bit. But I do think you still have to have something of note there for, for the people in attendance. Hmm. Also, so when you go to an NFL preseason game and the, the starters, the first team, they don't play a single rep. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't hear anyone complaining here in the U S well, I think there's something to the, the NF- same dynamic is at play there. There, That's very true. I will say there and correct me if I'm wrong. It feels like, and I guess for the person who goes to one a year, it is an event in the same way. I was going to say a football game just feels like you're going to a football game. And yes, you want to see the great players there, but it just feels more like the sport. Whereas hockey, I, I don't know, I guess the star power thing, but no, now that I, ta- about, now that I talk it out, I, I guess you're right there, Frank. No, no, not, not <laughs> How about this? Here's here's definitely a, a W. I think we can all link arms and agree on this. Eight is too many preseason games. Oh, my God. Holy yes. cow. Agreed. <laughs> Four should be the max. Oh, my God. And what you, what you should do more of oh. on the same, in the same vein as what you're saying is open more practices. Why can't you have a full totally. open practice at Scotiabank that's your an internal scrimmage? Totally. I'm very here for that. And I think a lot of team, I mean, a lot of teams do do that type of stuff. I mean, it's the but thing we need we, more of that. Reduce the number of games and do more of that. Yeah. If you're really talking about community buy-in. Wholeheartedly here. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh, we are what? We're seven days away from the start of the Leaf season. Six days away from the start of the NHL season. And the marquee game of that night, for me anyways, is going to be Bedard versus Crosby. You know, I, I was I'll thinking... I, that's awesome to hear. And I was actually thinking about the game that Crosby and the Penguins played in Cole Harbor. I don't know if you saw some of the scenes coming out of that, I but 
it just felt like such an incredible thing for the league to do, obviously for the people of Cole Harbor and everything, but for Sid. I mean, he is a guy who matters so much, and not to say that, you know, there won't be players who come along who have a similar impact to him, but this is a real kind of Mount Rushmore or whatever small club you want to put on it. I just thought that was an incredible thing that the NHL did for him. And again, obviously the people of Cole Harbor loved it, but I feel like if anybody deserved that kind of, and it's not a farewell game by any means, he's not going anywhere, but if anyone deserved that, it felt like it was him. So I, I don't want to knock anyone when I say this. Uh-oh. Here comes but a knock. it's been 17 years since Sidney Crosby played in Nova Scotia. Why didn't anyone do this before? Seriously. Great question. <laughs> I, I just, like, it seems so obvious. Every three years, four years, this the super, super duper star in the league gets to go home and play a game in his hometown. Okay, like that just—it should be obvious. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, and it should have been obvious that he didn't make the banana bread that the players so enjoyed that it was his mom. But it would like, have been impressive. It would have oh. been though exactly something that he. Would <laughs> it really would have. There was a moment there I was like, did he? And no. Uh, so yeah, Connor Bedard he scored his his first uh, preseason goal yesterday, Frank. And I know talking to you before the the draft lottery and and obviously him going number one and and the excitement that would surround whatever franchise won the right to, to draft him talking not trying to denigrate him or anything, but like under we're trying to figure out whether he, I mean, cause we've seen Connor McDavid just hit the ground running. We've seen, yeah. Sidney Crosby, same deal uh, with similar hype. Is he like, is he a star? Is he a generational star? And I, I, I think you were trying to put a little bit of the brakes on the hype surrounding him. But since then we've seen him at the prospect tournament turn heads. We've seen him, in preseason multiple times, be gift worthy, scores his first goal. Like, where are you on the appropriate amount of hype surrounding Connor Bedard going into his first season? Gift worthy. I like that. Yeah, that is, that's perfect. Uh, so typically I would be one to pump the brakes, but in this case, I'm all in on Connor Bedard. I think he's somewhere between 90 and hundred points this year. I think wow. he's that good. And I think in a very short period of time, two years, three years, whatever it might be, the only player above Connor Bedard in terms of ability in the NHL and impact is going to be Connor McDavid. Just one player. That's it. That's how good he is. How? I think the Blackhawks have been absolutely floored. <laughs> First off, it's kind of funny, but they didn't really spend much time scouting Connor Bedard. Like they didn't even really have that many eyes on him because first off they knew he was really good. And second, they were like, well, we're probably not going to win the lottery. So let's just go spend our time and resources elsewhere. And then they got him into rookie camp and got him in their building. And they're like, holy smokes, this guy is even way better than we thought. So I'm expecting big things. And I know the response from people is going to be, well, how, how, how good could he be this year on a really bad Blackhawks team? Just rewind to 05-06, and Sidney Crosby was on a dreadful Penguins team. 58 points they had that year. And Sid had 102. So it can be done. And I think he's going to have an absolute field day this year with Taylor Hall. Yeah, that, that was the part I loved about it. I mean, obviously, it kind of goes without saying that you get a player like Bedard in, you want to insulate him with some talent uh, around him. The interesting part that I'm going to see watching this is 
the, I don't, I don't know, change of plan. Well, I guess, yeah, change of plan. Like, obviously, you win the lottery and get Bedard. It puts everything into warp speed. And for a organization that was in complete tear down, let's build it all up. Let's see how it goes. You're going to pretty quickly have to jump back into building up as opposed to just continuing to stockpile assets. And I think that's going to be kind of fascinating to watch it all I think it's going to be pretty out. easy for them to do that. Not to understate it, but you tank to get a player like him and now you got him. They're going to have one more really bad year this year where they're probably going to be picking in the top three or four. And then after that, I think it's, you're going to have, once people see this guy play this year, you're going to have players knocking your door down to play with him, especially in Chicago, mm-hmm. Chicago, yeah. not noted, not Edmonton. <laughs> That's true. And then that's coming from someone who really likes Edmonton. Yeah. And was there last week. Although, like, in my limited experience with Deep Dish, like, eh, not not too much of a fact. It just takes too long to cook. I couldn't, I got to be honest. What do you mean I got to sit here and wait 50 minutes for you to cook my pizza? Yeah, it's just a casserole. And something (laughs) tells me Bedard won't be indulging too much. I hope not. Yeah. Uh, Frank, always great to chat. Um, Are you going to the, the Phillies game again today? I am not. I'm going to New York for the Board of Governors meeting. Right. I'm. I'm. Re- I just want to apologize for making you talk about hockey with us. I know it really upset you, Frank. <laughs> yeah. So just thank Pretty you for pl- for me personally. Thank you for playing along. <laughs> Have a good one, guys. Next week we'll talk actual actual hockey. Yeah, that'll be cool. See you, man. Uh, Frank Sarvelli, president of hockey content for DailyFaceOff.com. Noted Philadelphia man. I almost yeeted myself out the window when we heard "womp womp" to hockey. <laughs> I've been such a good boy all week and all last week. I've been so good. I know what drives the bus around here when it's hockey season, but I think there's also, yeah, and we haven't been shoehorning it in here. I know. That's what I mean. I've been behaving. Yeah. There'll be plenty of time for hockey (gasps) starting next week. There is never, just so we're clear, it's never, it could be August 1st, whatever the farthest date there is from hockey. As far, as long as I am sitting in front of this very microphone, actually any of them, there's four at this table. If I'm in front of a single one, mm-hmm. it is never womp womp to hockey ever. Yeah. It's, it's great that, like, the the president of the Hockey Writers Association and the president of hockey content for DailyFaceOff.com is like, come on. Let's well, it's also, on hockey it's pretty telling that that guy's a uh, Phillies fan and not a Jays fan. Maybe he'd feel a little differently. Oh, I see. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's like, oh, <laughs> just watching the most electric, fun team that yeah. anybody from the outside looking mm-hmm. in, you you just look at that Phillies team for nine seconds and you're like, oh, there's my guy. Maybe Dude. you look like I read this story yesterday about Kyle Schwarber and I was just the greatest teammate of all time mm. and all. Yeah, I know there's a lot to be had. Like the, there are so many likable parts of that team. Even like the, not that he's a lesser than part, but like even a guy like JT real Mudo, when I close my eyes, you know what I think of that hilarious gif of him with the reliever. Oh, getting ejected. No, whoever the reliever is who's oh, running yes. into the dugout. Yeah. He just has the like, Oh God, not I'm him thinking face. about the preseason. Yes. Where, that was like... very good as well. <laughs> the Trey Turner, <laughs> whatever Trey Turner story you like, you yeah. can have the one about the fans cheering him. And uh, while well, he was terrible, you can have the one about him having a kid literally nine months to the day. He got hundreds of millions of dollars. There's just so Bryce Harper. Everything there. It is such a likable bunch. So yeah, of course he's feeling that way. I I might want to explore this conversation a little bit later on in the mm. program because I don't know what 
are the Phillies as likable if they don't make the World Series last year and Obviously win 90 not. games this year and win, honestly, yesterday, game one against the Marlins? Probably not, but there is something to a team that's built in an entertaining and likable manner. Yeah. And one that's not. And that one that's not might be. Yeah. Well, and it's playing their trade here. And in it's Toronto. easy to be that guy when you're doing things, but Bryce Harper plays the game with more joy and life in yeah. an inning than I feel like we see from a week of this Jays well, team. And he leans into it too. He's throwing helmets and then he's signing it. helmets he's that amazing. he's thrown into the crowd. Anyway, sorry, time for the wake and right. Oh, yeah. Why? 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 I was why? just gonna say he did the, save it. He did the thing. It's the hardest thing to do in all the sports. It's like LeBron did it in terms of meeting expectations, and Bryce Harper did it too. This guy was on Sports Illustrated cover and he's 16 years old. Yeah. Sort of. I mean, he won, I he won the one MVP, and he's he's had some great seasons, and he has been great. But, yeah, he's not Mike Trout. No. Uh, time for the wake and rake. Blue Jays plus 110 to win today's mm-hmm. baseball game with Jose Barrios on the mound against Sonny Gray. They have now dropped to almost dead last in the World <laughs> Series odds. The The Marlins are, are dead last, but the Blue Jays now plus 3,300 to win the World Series. So if if you liked him before yesterday, honestly, one loss shouldn't really put you off the scent and, and maybe now good value. Best odds you will ever get for the Jays this well, year. Yeah, because if they win tomorrow, they're going to be lopped in yep. half. And if they lose, it's over. Yep. So <laughs> Best chance you get. All right. When we come back, uh, we will go to Minneapolis, Minnesota and talk to our pal, Shai Davidi, getting you set for game two, Jays and Twins this afternoon. Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.